0: Welcome to the Starry-Eyed Effect. I'm Brenda. And I'm
1: Jen. On this podcast, we'll be chatting about all things Williams Syndrome.
0: Ups and downs and what it's like living with Williams Syndrome. We're
1: excited to share our community with you. Thanks for being here.
2: What an absolute jerk because he can just launch hearts out whenever he wants. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, it's a great show. This is going to be yeah. a great show, I think. Um, I really like both of our guests a lot. The, you tale have- the Tale
1: of Two yeah. Alexes,
2: The Tale of Two. Well, or is it alex the
1: tale of two alex like singular. like is Al- it, how is it, what's the
0: plural? Alex, The tale of alex and alexandra oh there
1: you
2: go that makes yeah sense. that works yeah yeah um yeah it was uh it was yeah great show um super super guests uh i yeah i there are people that well, Alex is somebody I've wanted um, wanted you guys to meet and talk to for a while. So I'm really happy that we were finally able to make it happen, um, even though uh, because they're because her appointment ran long they, we had to do it in the car. But I I think it still still was really great. And uh, yeah. And, and Alexandra, wow, that, that she was she was super cool. I liked her. She a was lot.
0: spot on. Yeah, she's really cool.
1: And I love, I love, well, she's very well-spoken and I love her background. Obviously, it's like something that I can identify with, but I think a lot of people in the Williams syndrome community, maybe if they don't dance formally, like they dance informally um, and that's probably something that, you know, is uh, very connecting and grounding for them. So I, I enjoyed meeting her. She was fun to chat yeah.
2: with. Um um,
1: yeah, and just another successful adult being out yeah. in the world doing great things.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, why don't we just get right to it? Uh, we'll just pop right into the interview. What do you guys say? Yes. yes. Let's go. Let's go. go hearts, heart hands. Except for yeah. Brendan, is he, he gonna That oh, what a jerk! What an absolute turd blossom. Um,
1: it's a coincidence. It's not a coincidence that you're <laughs> the only one with hearts. You're sure. the only one who can open the show. <laughs> very VIP
0: love you guys
1: you just need you <laughs>
0: love you guys
2: <laughs>
0: and now right.
1: you can start we really missed you and I can't do it without you so start the show
0: all right well let's get into it shall we um hi Alexander how are you
3: I'm good how are you
0: I'm doing well, thank you. So for those that may not know who you are, um, why don't you uh, tell everybody who you are and a little bit about yourself and what you do.
3: All right. So my name is Alexandra. I am 30 years old and I live in the beautiful state of Utah. I am a dance teacher. And I do bracelet, I'm a bracelet artist and I'm also a cat mama and I have three cats and they're awesome and I have a lot of siblings. I have nine. I have four biological and four-step, so wow. yeah, it's great. I mean, I love Utah. I love living here. It's beautiful here. Um, I've been dancing since I was three years old, and so yeah, I've been dancing for a long time, and two years ago I got approved to teach dance, so I'm very happy about that.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that. I'm a dance, I'm a dance, I guess you call me technically I'm a dance, I'm a dance mom, meaning yeah. the kids that dance. So my daughter Stella who has Williams syndrome dances and so does my other daughter. also, oh. I also am a mom that dances. I'm in a mom's oh. hip hop dance group um, yeah. and it's so fun. So I love, I love dance too. And so we have a lot to talk
3: about. So you're teaching at a studio? Yes. So, here at my beautiful home, we have a dance studio in the garage. Okay. And my mom teaches um, classes as well as me, and she and I co-teach with each other. Okay. It's awesome. awesome. I love it. What's your preferred dance style? Well, I have done everything from ballroom to um, Polynesian dancing to ballet to clogging to tap. But I really love freestyle i'm a freestyle for per- i love freestyling i'm a soloist um and so my so obviously we all know that people who consider syndrome have a hard time concentrating in some way shape or form mm-hmm. so for me you know having like being in a group sometimes can be very um intimidating because you got to be in certain spots at certain times and for some reason I am better at soloing and yeah so
1: so you're preferred you like to be like a soloist like having your own performance just worrying about yourself not like what everybody else is doing yeah
3: I'm yeah I mean because well because I have so me and my mom always clash when we crop make choreography for dance classes because she sees the choreography differently than I do. Okay. So it's like, I see it differently, she sees it differently, but honestly, like, we, we compromise. We compromise when we put choreography together and it works out perfectly.
1: Okay yeah, no, that's super that's super cool. Um, and choreography, I think is so well, for some people, it's really easy to learn, but for some people, it's not. It's like you're either a freestyler or you're you're a person who can pick up choreography fast. I'm the freestyler. i can I can freestyle dance, but picking up choreography is really hard for me. So that's I think that's amazing. How many students do you teach?
3: Um, so spreading out the word about the dance that I teach, which is, belly dancing okay uh, yeah um, my mom teaches belly dancing I teach belly dancing um, not to say that I'm Egyptian or anything which I'm not mm-hmm. <laughs> knowing that it comes from there um, yeah so so I teach people with special needs just like me um, yeah I teach teenagers I've teach taught adults and um, so far I have four I got two new students as of yesterday, so I'm super excited for that. And Hi. basically what I do is I break down dance steps all the way to the very beginning level so that they can, you know, learn how to do it step by step from the tap, step, step, tap, step, tap to the add-on. We slowly add on to the move until they get it, and then we... um We do warm up, we do drills, and then I teach them a part of the dance and I have and I make it as simple as possible because not everybody is going to, you know, is going to get all the steps and, you know,
0: that's me. I am flat footed as a pancake and can't dance to save my life. So
1: (laughs) you're not a dancer.
0: I'm not good at it. Let's put it that way.
1: Okay. So so Alexandra, how old were you when you were diagnosed with your Williams
3: syndrome? I was 18 months old. Okay, tell us about that. Okay, so so when I, w- I was born two weeks late, um, my weight was kind of a lot lower than most people, most babies at two weeks later than their due date. Okay. Um, and my parents thought I was, well, my parents believed that i was this normal happy little baby and um i went to so my parents took me to this checkup with the doctor and they're my mom's telling them um i like she's not digesting food right and she keeps on you know it's not staying down yeah and then they uh so they did some tests on me um and they're like yeah something's not right here my parents were like what so they did all these tests on me. And um, so, yeah, they um, yeah they did the fish test. Okay. And they found it out. And um, yeah, my parents, of course, were very shocked. Yeah. Because as we all know, Williams syndrome is very rare
1: mm-hmm.
3: and not many people know about it. So, um, of course, my parents had a lot of worries for my future. Um, yeah, I went to, here's the cool part about this. Cause my, we were flying back to Utah from California. There's this lady that noticed me in the stroller and she looks at my mom. and She says, Hey, does your daughter have Williams syndrome? And my parents are like, uh, that's what the doctor says she has and so this lady like literally hooked us up with all of the therapy all of like all of these awesome doctors and um yeah so that's what's and then,
1: up that's amazing that's cool. um are you from utah originally i was born in california in anaheim oh,
3: in anaheim oh.
1: okay and then how old were you when you moved to utah
3: a year i think a year or a year and a half
1: Okay. Okay. So right around the time that you would have been diagnosed with Williams syndrome, you would move to Utah. Yes. Yeah. So having that connection, I'm sure was really important to get you some services and the resources that that you needed. How was growing up um, in Utah? Were you like in a community with people who had disabilities?
3: Were you? Um, So yeah, there wasn't like, when I was younger, I did meet one person with it. Her name is Ashley Carroll. Love you, sis. Shout out, Carol. Yeah. yeah. She and I became friends when we were very young. And um, growing up, we met other. I met other families with kids with Williams Syndrome. And we would have get-togethers. And while I played with the other kids, my mom and dad and all of the other parents, they would talk about you know, they're like all the medical stuff that's going on with their kids and trying to find comparison, you know, like see what's the same and see what other things they could help each other with, with us. So it was really nice. It was very nice having, you know, getting to know people like me. Because when I was younger, I thought that I was the only one. Mm -hmm. And I felt, you know, so distant from the kids in school. Like I was like, what is going on? Yep. why am I not why am I not getting the memo here like they're like, friends and I'm just like we're friends like I want friends you know and just all of that longing to know you know like why am I different because I didn't really know about my condition until later like when yeah. I was like five or something I think it was. And my parents kind of told me about it in a way that I would understand. And it took me a long time to accept, you know, like me, to accept myself as yeah. a kid. And of course, my neighbors were totally sweet, awesome, nice. It was at school where the bullying started and the just the uncomfortable, weird feeling of being amongst people who are not didn't have my condition and didn't understand
1: yeah
3: you know or you know and I'm sure a lot of parents with people with special needs can totally relate because you know it was it it just it just was so hard to you know to say hi to people and then for them to walk away from me like what did I do all I did was say hi yeah oh you know, and just I don't know there are times when I'm just like I don't want to go to school because if this is the way I'm going to be treated then I don't want to be there you know? Yeah. yeah. And, so and I think
1: I hear that a lot. I think um in general, well, I shouldn't say I hear it a lot. I mean it's just a common theme that they do hear from people with Williams syndrome is it seems like getting into middle school and high school, there's a lot of bullying that happens. Um and that's stressful. That's 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 hard yeah. to deal with when you're already dealing with so many things, right? Yeah. Did you yeah. have Did you have any, like, severe health problems or how has, like, that side of your journey been?
3: Um, so, so junior high and elementary school were the worst because, like, the teachers didn't know how to handle me. Yep. They didn't know how to help me. Yep. Yep. And they didn't know how to, like, get me in the same direction as the other students. yes. And, um, so it was difficult for them and it was difficult for me because me being able to concentrate Mm -hmm. was so hard Mm -hmm. on like different subjects. Like I think math and math was the worst Mm -hmm. math can be very intimidating sometimes. when you have a hundred questions on a piece of paper.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. And you asked the teacher to accommodate for you and, you know, and it was, but high school was the best three years ever. Like, yeah, I experienced no bullying. No, no, like, oh, look at her. She's weird. Like I never got that vibe. I felt so comfortable in my own skin in high school. Like people were so nice. And of course they had their group short ever, but I always felt accepted by everybody. I don't know about you, Brandon, but did you have life skills in high school and whatnot?
0: Yeah, I did, but I had the the complete opposite experience. I was bullied. I was labeled the class <laughs> I lost 25 pounds due to stress. I dropped out, moved out of state, went to a post-secondary school for kids with special needs. Um, yeah, it was... For music and um, yeah, it was pretty rough.
3: Oh man, I'm so sorry you had to go through that.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's in the past, but you know, yeah.
3: It, in the past
0: at the time, it was pretty rough, but we're here now and we're we're thriving. Yeah, so.
3: Exactly, and I want to say to any teenager or little kid with any special needs that is being bullied or is being treated differently, that you're not alone. There are plenty of us out there that know what it's like to be in that position and to feel displacement and hurt i know that feeling and i know that you know that feeling and especially to all parents who have had these experiences where your kids have been bullied i know the pain and i am here for anyone who has been bullied and anyone who has been treated differently and you're not alone you're not forgotten you know we stand by you and if you need someone to tell those bullies what's up you know you got me You got Brandon. You got all these amazing people that are here to fight for you. So,
1: yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, So, dance. You said was kind of always a part of your life. Your mom grew up dancing
3: too. Yes, she um, did ballet. She was in cheerleading and she did jazz. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, So, dance
1: always like a like your outlet or yeah. did you have other interests when you were growing up
3: um yes dance um anything with music i you know it's a lot of people with loom syndrome just have this thing with music they just love yep. it it's like um a bowl of soup you drink you get all the stupid and then you're just like wait a minute i want more i'm not full yet yeah,
0: uh, yeah.
3: So, um, we feel about music and movement was so important for me because I had stiff joints as a little kid okay. and um, therapy was very painful considering my ankles were lifted almost to the back part of my leg. Oh. So I had to have, um, I wouldn't say force, but just like, you know, trying to get my heels to unlock yes stiffness and the pain so um I couldn't handle it anymore and I was just like I can't do this it hurts so bad and so they're like therapy or something else and my mom's like let's put her in dance mm-hmm. and I was literally I would watch my mom dance and I would be like oh my gosh I want to dance like huh. I want to be able to move across the stage and glide you know and just just feel free because that's where I release a lot of my stress, my worries, my, you know, that's where I feel mostly free is on the dance floor. And thanks to my mom who fought for me, who put me in every dance class she could to help me feel confident and feel, you know, like I had, it, like I had it, you know, and I, You know, I just needed to believe in myself. And dance helped me believe that anything is possible. And in junior high and in high school and in elementary school, I was always in some sort of dance class. And it helped me with my strengthening of my legs to my arms to everything. And it just made me so happy. And ever since then, I've never stopped. I've always been in some sort of dance class or I'm, taking my mom's dance class, or, you know, it's just, it's just an amazing feeling. And I can't imagine my life without dance.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I, uh, like I said, um, I have a dance background as well. And in and, um, a few, maybe a couple months ago, I heard when uh, my daughter went to a dance convention, and one of the instructors um, was talking about how dance is for everybody everybody right and it's truly like such an inclusive practice and there's many forms of dance that people can partake in so if like one doesn't work for you maybe another one does like that's why I always say about hip-hop like hip-hop is more forgiving so I can do it because I don't have to be as crisp with the movements um whereas you know I mean if you had me in a tap class I probably I probably could not move my feet in the way that you need to move your feet but other people can um, and it is, I think, such a great, for my daughter who has Williams syndrome, it's such a great um, pairing of activities. So it's, it's the musical piece that she really likes. And then it's combined with the part she doesn't like, which is the exercise part, like <laughs> the mentality part, because you said it's hard and it can't be hard for you. But it's so important yeah. to move your body in whatever way works for you. And, and so I'm yeah. just thrilled that, that she loves it. And I, I think it's great for you too. So do you yeah. did you want to see your family dance or is it just you and your mom?
3: Yeah, we. So my family is full of musicians, dancers, okay. singers, and all of these things. And yeah, we every family reunion there's always a dance party. Every you know family get together there's always a dance party. It's it's just it's great. I love it.
1: Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. So you, do your family live close then? Everybody live close to each other?
3: Yeah. Um. So. So yeah, almost all of my aunts and uncles and cousins live here in Utah. Um, Some of them live far away as far as Iowa and um, Kentucky, but yeah, a lot of us live here and we are a tight-knit family. Um, Love sports, dance, music, arts, the whole thing. And it's it's just wonderful to be able to have that experience with my family. It's fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely what is like life now like as an adult you said you're 30 right yes oh you're so young so young (laughs) so you went through high school high school was good how about like adulthood how has that transition been and now you're 10 years in so it's probably you're more settled right like you feel more comfortable with it do you remember what that was huh
3: sorry remember how it was when you first like graduated high school and gosh I couldn't believe it I was just like wait what yeah I I, I'm done with high school (laughs) like I didn't want it to end I wanted to do more because I don't know the atmosphere was just so great and I loved all my teachers bless them they dealt with me as good as they could and I just felt so accomplished like i felt like man i did science i did all the science packets the history packets you know the english the math everything and i'm like wow i did that yeah i did it and i and i didn't graduate with a diploma but a certificate of completion i consider that to still be as pretty good <laughs>
0: that's a win, that's a win. Yeah.
1: did
3: you yeah. did you work after high school or did you yeah. go ready right so i worked at um so i worked at trafalgar which is which was a miniature golf place in utah um six months after i had to um get a new job because they shut down because it was a very old old Mm. place so they had to shut down and then i uh worked at smith's marketplace and i did um a lot of the stocking and putting take backs and all of that stuff and it was hard i mean yeah you know just because you know you're like oh yay work i get a (laughs) job i get to get money you know like it's
2: It's it was especially
3: for me to fit in like um because of the limitations i had i could only do so much um I don't know if you have, do you have social security?
0: I do. I'm, yeah. Yeah. So we we know all about that stuff. My mom's a paralegal and deals with social security and uh, uh, okay. she specializes in elderly and disability law. Um, so she's helped me out a lot with all the social security stuff.
3: Yeah. Same with my mom. My mom is always on top of it, whether it's filling out a billion papers or stuff. She's great with that. And yeah, so having a part-time job is nice, but I always have this feeling like I want to do more, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, I have these skills, yes, but I have more skills that I can show you if you just let me learn. I am I love learning, um, whether it's learning about different cultures or different skills or, you know, a different type of dance. Like, I... Love learning, and um, so yeah. Like I had Smiths. I even worked at this skating rink, called Classic Skating. Okay. It's a very well-known hot spot for um, hangouts and parties, and yeah, I worked there for a year and a half. It was a great job, and then um, COVID hit. Oh
4: yeah,
3: and mm. that was that was a <laughs> surprise. <laughs> yeah, it was something. Yeah, yeah, it was insane. Like, you know, how am I gonna find a job with all this craziness? You know, yeah. and I, there are a lot of people felt that way too because a lot of places were closed and everything. And yeah. then, um, I served a church service mission. Yeah, and it was. In,
1: did you stay in town, or did you go somewhere else?
3: Um, I stayed in town actually. So. I was able to walk to the facility and walk home, so it was very nice. I learned a ton of skills there that you don't learn in high school or, you know, in a lot of places, And um, but before that and before COVID hit, I actually um, went to this post-high school call day tech. And they um, teach adults with special needs some a lot more skills than just math and English and everything. They teach you how to do laundry, cooking. Um, they teach you friendship zones like and how to um, be careful with strangers and how to use the city bus. And, you know, they yeah. just talk so much. And because of that, I've been able to get jobs. I've been able to um, feel successful and feel validated that I am you know worth the work and the the time and the energy and it has been such an amazing thing like I've been able to do so much since I've graduated I've um, performed I've performed all over the state um I performed in front of David Archuleta Oh. oh yeah in fact I was so during that time I was um in a Polynesian dance school and um big Buddha out of all people called my dance teacher and was like hey can you come and perform for David Archuleta and David Cook and of course I was like what (laughs) and so I've gotten to perform in front of a lot of people and um i've been able to um actually speak at schools um about you know special needs awareness and how important it is to know about that not only as like like us but like in the work communities i don't think people like really realize you know the the special needs like like attribution to work you yeah. know a lot of special needs people have their own jobs now mm-hmm. and have their own businesses and, and they have money to spend right like you guys yeah. have mentioned you want
1: to spend at places and so you, yeah. you want to be represented
3: in, in yeah places. and we want to be seen in a good light you know not oh this person is special needs they can't do anything you know mm-hmm. And, can't
4: do everything
0: and anything.
3: Yes. And I want people to know that we're not, you know, less than because we are special needs. We're more yes. than, you know? And we need to see that in us too. It's not the yeah. only the people around it. It's like we need to see in ourselves that we are capable of so many things, um, you know? Yeah. And we shouldn't let our limitations limit us because... You know, we think we're not good enough or we're not, you know, people, people think we're not good enough. We should, you know, it's come to the point now where, you know, in the, think of it, in the 1800s and even hundreds and hundreds of years before that, people like that, like us, were hidden from the world. Or we yeah. were treated terribly. Yeah. And, you know, like we weren't allowed to be out in the world because our the parents or the caregiver was so afraid that people would hurt them or um, use them in bad ways. And mm-hmm. now that we are seen in a different light in some sort of way, um, I think it has been better for us yeah. now than it would have been
0: years, years ago.
3: Literally. <laughs> I mean, man, and if, if I could go to that time, and, you know, spread the understanding, I think it wouldn't have been as cruel, or as dark as it would have been, like, I believe I
4: really
3: I
1: yeah, I think the disability has come, you know, as a movement has come so far, in, you know, just our respective lifetimes, right? Like, really wasn't until the 1990s that uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act was signed and you know like not that long ago when people with disabilities were able to go to public school and it's so important I I think for my daughter uh, Stella who's 13 she's in seventh grade I think about how important it is for her community to know who she is and to have experience working with people with disabilities or being around people with disabilities because um, I didn't grow up with that. I, I, there were people that had disabilities, but they were in like a separate part of the school. I didn't ever see them like on our bus. I never saw them, um, in my extracurricular activities. I did. I never saw them. Oops. I just dropped my phone. I never saw them, you know, in my job. And I wish that I would have had that because now as a parent, of a person with a disability i feel like that would have given me so many tools in my toolbox to be prepared for this journey right. and so i really think that you know societally speaking we've done a disservice by by sheltering sheltering that because once once yeah. you open that door there's there's a lot there but there's a lot of beautiful stuff like you were saying and um and and i feel like stella deserves to live her best life and and so do you all too
3: yeah, yeah. exactly And I definitely have had a great life. My parents have been so supportive. I've got a lot of family and friends that have been there for me and who have embraced me as their own and have given me a chance to live the best life I can. And some parents uh, think that it's too scary to get their child diagnosed. As long as you tell your child to keep their head held up high and remember who they are, that they're your child and that you love them and that they don't need to be afraid to get out there and show the world what they got. And if, if you continue to do that, they will believe it. They will believe it and My mom told me that every single day she told me, keep your head held high, remember who you are, remember you are my daughter and that you're a daughter of God, and remember that you're special and that no one can take that away from you. And I believed it, and then when I went, that's like believed it but it was hard to believe it in a school setting yeah a work setting you know and I Mm. my mom just kept on reminding me and then you know what I'm going to accept it you know like it I was just like okay I am her daughter and she loves me and she cares about me and you know I'm going to let my colors shine and let my light shine and yeah ever since then i Have made that my motto to keep your head held high, remember who you are, and don't let anything stand in your way of becoming a great person and becoming, you know, becoming and putting your mark on the world. And people will see. People will see your great works. And, you know, who knows what will happen? Yeah. I feel like fear is the biggest distraction besides putting something aside, you know, and not believing in yourself. Because if you don't believe in yourself, how can you believe in something else and, you know, expand your belief?
0: All right, well, hello, Alex, how are you?
4: I'm doing well, Brendan, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty good. It's snowing outside currently here in Connecticut so it's uh getting some of the white fluffy stuff
4: well I'm in Ohio so we are experiencing the same thing
0: yep so Mm -hmm. uh for those that don't know who you are uh why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and about your journey and what you do
4: awesome so I am Alex. Um, I live in Ohio with my husband, Joe. Uh, we have a five-year-old daughter named Collins. And then we have Jax, who is 20 months. He'll be 21 months here pretty soon. So we are also rounding up, and we are saying that he's almost two now. And just for a little blurb, there's the big guy back there. Aw, hi, <laughs> Um, But yeah, so... Our journey was, um, was a little, you know, very fast paced, I would say. Um, we actually were fortunate to find out about Jax and his diagnosis when he was just three months old. Um, because when I had Jax, uh, we had had some medical complications that led us to um, just kind of discover down a rabbit hole. Uh, he had had some pretty severe cardiac issues. Um, that they needed to get addressed, and at the time, we did not realize that those cardiac issues would align us into the world of Williams syndrome, Um, but we have an incredible cardiologist in Ohio here, and when we went in, when Jax was two weeks old to get his heart, the echocardiogram, um, the cardiologist had kind of asked us if we were Okay, with heading over to the genetics office um, because he knew that Jax was going to have to have open heart surgery very quickly. um, And they needed to find out if he had Williams syndrome. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys have chatted about this in the past, but um, for our listeners that don't know, um, anesthesia can be a little bit tricky for uh, individuals with Williams syndrome. And so for Jax to undergo such a major surgery, especially as little as he was, Um, They wanted to know, like, right off the bat, we need to know if he has Williams syndrome or not before we undertake, like, such a massive surgery. Because, you know, him being, he was only five pounds, you know, and it was, there was a lot of chaos. So uh, it went from, he was born to, we have to have these surgeries. Um, And then Jax ended up having around four or five surgeries before he even turned one. Um, So we got the news about the Williams syndrome diagnosis extremely, extremely soon because of the fact that um, he was undergoing anesthesia so much at such a young age. So um, he got diagnosed when he was three months old. And now he is, like I said, almost two, and he is absolutely thriving. And just like, My husband and I, we actually just left an appointment um, at the Williams Syndrome Clinic in Columbus, Ohio this morning. Um, And, you know, it was funny, we both said on the way home, it's so funny how a diagnosis can feel so overwhelming at the time. And now it's like, I couldn't even like, it's, it's just second nature to us now. Like you couldn't even imagine, you know, somebody not have, like when somebody like with him, it just feels like that's who he was always meant to be. So we're right. just yeah. driving. So so it's it's been a bit of a whirlwind, but I really I'm the kind of person I like to throw myself into things. So the second we found out he was having these surgeries and his diagnosis, we really just ran with it, and we've immersed ourselves in this amazing family.
0: Yeah, I had four hernia surgeries before the age of two, oh oh. and I wasn't diagnosed until I was almost thirteen. So, oh, really, yeah, and I had my wisdom teeth out only on Novocaine. Um, oh. so that yeah, yeah, <laughs> <bad>. you're
4: <laughs> you're tough. You're braver than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Alex oh, yeah. were you
1: were you based or were you based out of Ohio before this yes
4: yes yeah we have always lived we're actually pretty fortunate we live outside of Canton Ohio um, in a town called Willisville and so we actually um, we have always utilized Akron Children's Hospital so that's what that's who we use a lot um, but the whole benefit today of going to Columbus was we're super fortunate obviously their Williams syndrome clinics aren't you know as readily available as we would love them to be. So, uh, you know, with, with a lot of, with a lot of, um, insight and kind of just, you know, some su- suggestions, even from the Akron children's team, they're like, you're so fortunate to have people so close, just go, you know, go and talk to people that, that are super knowledgeable about it. And so that was a huge game changer. So I would suggest anything they go so i wholeheartedly think it's a, it's a great resource and a great tool yeah
1: how we actually have not been to a williams syndrome clinic before because we live in colorado so like nobody yeah. nobody in this like part of the country like knows yeah. a thing about williams syndrome so i do think you're fortunate that you guys mm-hmm. are and probably helped you with the early diagnosis being so connected in yes. community with well-versed on williams syndrome what like is yeah. this our first time at the clinic or have you been a time before
4: no this was our first time at the okay. clinic um the wait list you know it, it there is a, obviously a decent wait list because right. there are people coming from everywhere um for it and they only do things on certain days you know they have a whole time and reason for their stuff but um Yes. It was our first time there today. It was a comprehensive um, evaluation. I will say you are everything you just said, Jen, is so true. Like we are very fortunate where we live. Like we're really well connected uh, because, because of the knowledge of Williams syndrome in this area, it seems like, you know, he immediately started physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, every that, you know, you could even imagine, as you know, um, we've been to, we've crossed we dotted our you know dotted our i's crossed our t's like done the whole thing um so yeah i mean it, it's definitely been a journey it's been you know a lot of undertaking but as everybody you know in this world knows it's it's just all for the benefit of everybody involved though you know so it's, it's like today was super beneficial everyone is super knowledgeable but also at the same time like i would say that even in Akron, where, we're, you know, the, it's a great part of the area, um, just to get as much information. And if you're someone like me, like, once you heard those words, yes, he has Williams syndrome, I, I was like, you know, I could not get enough research information, contacting people, I jumped right in, um, connected with Joel, you know, and the Williams Syndrome Association. And that, I mean, a huge shout out to everyone, I mean, this podcast, but even anyone and everyone at the WSA, because If you are newly diagnosed, I mean, this is truly the hub of the best information that anybody can get. So, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even now, so is 13 and I'm still using information, right? Like she has a new psychiatrist that we met the other day. And so I'm like kidding him with all the information <laughs> and it's not because I'm smart enough to know it it's because yeah. I have a network behind me that's providing me all the that information that's giving me the confidence to advocate for her um so you're right yeah. we are very fortunate to be in such a good uh a, a good community of people um so you are I mean because Jax is now 20 months I mean so you're okay. still yeah. you are still in the oh. new you're in the new yeah. stuff right? Mm -hmm. right You said he's had four surgeries in a year. What is that looking like now? Are you more into the therapies and such, or are you still navigating some like real challenging health concerns?
4: So, um, and kind of like, I'm going to answer this and then throw a couple questions back at you, if that's okay. Because I think this is interesting because with Stella being 13, but Jack's being new, you know, of course I'm looking to you being like, help me. What, what does this look like? What does that look like? Kind of a thing. Um, medically, any type of like emergency situation? No, I think, I think health wise, we're doing pretty good. Um, we keep up with cardiology all the time um, and you know the one thing that's getting more challenging the older he gets are the constant i will say he definitely has a lot of anxiety now with doctors offices that he did not have before like when he was so young and was going all the time he was still so young if that may like and he didn't even know things for patients so it does get trickier um but we are doing our best and his last echo um you know came back with flying colors they're really happy uh, as we all know, in this world, you know, when you when you're that little, and you have the kinds of surgeries that some of our kids have, you know, there's no guarantee how long, you know, when the next time's going to be. And, you know, so you're always kind of there, there are definitely those moments of feeling like waiting for the other shoe to drop. But right now, we are doing great. Um, Health wise, some of the challenges, I would say, and I'm kind of kind of like throw this back and see like what your experiences have been. But um, you know, now that we kind of are in the clear when it comes to like physical health concerns, like anything with the heart, um, his hernia, things like that, all those are, are handled. We're starting to notice some more behavioral type things are, are popping up. Like, um, I would like to say his lack of sleep. Like we had a huge issue with sleep issues. I mean, I was mm-hmm. starting to think I thought to myself, like, are we just never, so is this, we're just never sleeping again. Like, okay, we're just, that's that. We're just never doing that again. Um, And, you know, we did do the sleep study um, and, and, you know, he was lots of moving, lots of moving and grooving um, in his sleep, low iron, you know, and it's incredible. That's another awesome resource. though. it's like, when you start asking the harder questions that people, you know, sometimes just don't want to ask, it's funny how things get connected, you know, and. Um, with the sleep issues it was like well he wasn't sleeping and everyone just kind of kept saying oh he'll grow out of it I'm that is don't ever tell me that as a person because I'm like nope I'm gonna find out why because there has a reason um, and so I'm curious like with Stella like how did that look for you when she was a baby and because when was Stella diagnosed I
1: can't remember she was diagnosed at, she was diagnosed at five um, okay and she- she's our i have to also preface by saying she's our first child so like yeah. no i had no benchmark for what i thought yeah. it was normal i thought everything oh was, yeah and so i was like you know damn you're like not very <laughs> good at sleeping but i thought all babies weren't good at sleeping and, right um i thought a lot of the issues like now in retrospect and like oh okay all those were clearly issues but i had no right. idea so, um, I'll be interested to hear what Brendan says about this, but Stella yeah. was a terrible sleeper. Um, we, we just co-slept We're like, cause I was like, I have to sleep. I have to sleep. So you sleeping next to me? If that is what it's going to take, yeah. we tried, we tried all the things and none of it worked. So I was like, just yeah. come on in. And, yeah. um, and that actually, until she got on so like you'll you'll probably see this behaviors will continue and they will start to ex- escalate in intensity. Um, yes. It Really wasn't until the point where we put her on some medication that she started sleeping. And like now she's a great sleeper. Now she'll be like yeah. I'm tired. I'm going to bed. And I'm like great. But it was and and so it would have been six that she. Yeah group to six that we really struggled with sleeping. Brendan, yeah. were you a good sleeper?
0: Uh, absolutely not.
1: I think your mom oh. said you were not a good sleeper, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, No. nope, I had insomnia, you know, I, it, 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 it was the, th- it was I it, yeah. <laughs> it'll have its own chapter in the blog. Yeah, it'll have its own chapter in the blog.
4: Oh, okay, okay.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm
4: looking forward to reading okay. that. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, The struggle bus was real when it came to sleeping, (laughs) to put it lightly. Uh, Now that I'm older, I've gotten better. You know, I I grew out of my insomnia. Um, I just really, like, started to relax and then not stress so much and stay up all night thinking, overthinking about everything, every little thing, and uh, that's when, like, I noticed like, oh, okay, I'm starting to sleep better. You know, now I'm getting seven, eight hours of sleep per night. And, you know, it's consistent, you know, so it's much better than it was. So I'll put it that way.
1: So right now you're seeing like, you're, you've are you got to handle you for like on the medical stuff. And now yes. you're, I mean, he's so like little, right? Like
4: two, yes. you're,
1: you're just supposed to be cute. I
4: That's like, I know. And that's, you know, I would say that's probably one of the most challenging parts about yeah. our current situation is, you know, this is what I've kind of said, like getting a little vulnerable here, but I think it's good because, you know, like for parents in these similar situations, maybe that, you know, are just now in a situation I was in a year and a half ago is like, I never got to have Jacks be just Jax. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Like when, it, like. Jax came out of the womb like with a whole slew of problems and I never got to know Jax without you know all of this stuff and then he had Williams syndrome and then it was like well Jax with Williams syndrome and and like at at the time I think that was really hard because I was like grieving the loss of like you know like what I thought you know he was going to be and but now like I said I mean I in in just a short time and only a year and a half he's not even two years old yet like I this is exactly the life that I was supposed to have this is exactly the kid that I was like meant to have like I even take it as far as like this was this is the little brother that my daughter was like always supposed to have so like it really is such a blessing even if it feels overwhelming at the time and I think right now like while he is so little and he is so cute it can be very challenging because babies in general are challenging. You don't know what they want. Sometimes they, you know, they ramble and they cry, but like to have a child that has, you know, additional needs and wants on top of all of that. And you're trying to make sense. It's, it's like sometimes we're trying to read a book in a different language that we don't speak and you're trying to make the most out of it. Um, And you're also still trying to be parents and, spouses and friends and daughters and now you're wearing all of these hats but you feel like like everything just got tilted on its axis and some days that can feel really good and rewarding and then other days it can feel like you just want to hide out you know um and right now you know like i kind of talked about the feeling of the you know you're you're almost waiting for the other shoe to drop when things are going really well um, but if anything, it's not the other shoe, which just everything's always evolving in a different way. Like right now, medically, he has a good grasp on things, but like, you know, now we're coming into some behavioral issues like stranger danger or the lack thereof, you know, he wants the high school waiter at Texas roadhouse to hold him. And when we're, we're like, he can't hold you buddy. Like, you know, we're, we're dealing with some behavioral issues. Um, we're dealing with some delays developmentally that are causing some feeding issues and, and, and living in this world is just accepting grace for yourself and knowing that everything is connected and it will come just in its own time. So that's kind of where we are with Jax right now. I'd
1: be curious to hear from you, like how it's changed your, your family dynamic though. Like, um, yes. where, are you working? Where are you working? Are you not working now? How is it right. with your daughter? You know, like, and I think yeah. she's, sure- you said she's five so she's like she's five yeah teeny yeah Um, yeah, like because that is a huge change for the family it is
4: share with us like how that's
1: been for you guys
4: yeah so I would say that as a okay to go back to the (laughs) easier to go back to the easy question uh, um I was working um I was working I worked in higher education. So I worked for nonprofit universities. I've done enrollment management. So that was kind of my bread and butter. That's where, you know, I spent uh, 10 years of my life. Um, and then uh, unrelated, but like when I was pregnant with Jax, they they were calling it a high-risk pregnancy because he was so tiny and he wasn't developing like they had anticipated. So I, I was starting to have a really, really unique pregnancy experience i was having to like go to um doctor's appointments all the time um and they when he came out and he had all those problems i was like you know what i I need to take a step back and my work was really good about it and supportive um and then fast forward like a few months later i was like you know what like he needs my full attention right now like i I, I've got to be done. So I don't work anymore. Um, and that was a contrast de- decision for Jacks, like for our family. Um, and you know, I gave that up. But again, you know, coming onto a podcast, what's the point of being on them if you're not gonna be like raw and vulnerable and open? So like, you know the reality is that, that was tough for me at first because I felt like, okay, you know, look at this entire shift of my life. I'm losing a bit of an identity, you know, like I'm losing my career, like I'm getting rid of my career. I'm a mom now and I have this new baby and, you know, to watch them take a three month, three or four month old baby away on a stretcher and like to put him on bypass, you know, like open heart surgery and you're having conversations that you're on one hand thinking, I can't believe I'm having this conversation with the doctor. This baby is three months old. But then on the other hand, you know, you're mad. You're like, why? Like, this isn't fair, you know? Mm. Um, but I will say that like, how it, changed our family is, is like a roller coaster. You know, we've had times where like, it's really brought like us together. We've had times where it's felt like, you know, you feel that mom guilt, especially, you know, you know that when you have a child that maybe needs a little bit more than the other. And, and our daughter was three and a half when he was born. So that was a, that was a tough age for him to come in and need what he needed because she, she, She was old enough to understand and not old enough to stand all at the exact same time. Um, That's what I had made the comment earlier. Like she was always meant to be like his big sister because I've never known. I'm going to give her a lot of credit because I'm like to be at three and a half. She just went with it. She didn't question it. If she had to go to her grandparents' house for a week or two, she she never laid guilt on. She was never like, no, I don't want you to go. You know, she just was like... Jax has to go to the hospital. Like she was so matter of fact. Um, she's very gentle with him. Um, but she also, it, the amazing thing about kids, are she also doesn't think twice about stealing his toys either. You know, like she doesn't, to her, Jax is just Jax. Um, we did go through, this is kind of comical. We went through a little phase though that she said she had Williams syndrome too. And she was telling people that she also had Williams syndrome. <laughs> she I was trying to explain to her one night I was like no honey like you don't have Williams syndrome Jax does and she goes I can have Williams syndrome if I want to have Williams syndrome so I just kind of like let her think it for a little while (laughs)
0: Uh,
4: but she, you know we've we've taken um you know as a family we've jumped in like we did the Williams syndrome walk we kind of helped with that um shout out to julie and katie um, in ohio that did the walk for us in medina um they are incredible and they've also been a great resource for me as a parent um but you know we really jumped right in and and as a family we got to go and we got to make friends and we've got to meet with people and i think that this is a really like as a family unit even during the hard times we've gotten to grow together um it's not easy I don't think anyone in this situation would ever tell you it's easy uh, but I think taking anything away from it is is no one understands what you're going through better than the people in your immediate family so you also have that bond and you rely on that person too because while people can empathize no one Actually knows what you're going through the way you do. So it, it's mm-hmm. been a journey. It's been been a lot in a short amount of time. But but I do feel like we're kind of getting to get into the light at the end of the tunnel. So
1: yeah, yeah. You well, you probably haven't heard it yet, but and I don't know exactly what it is again because I came in sort of in arrears. But okay. I hear that there's like a lot of challenge in like inf- infanthood, right? And in like the 38 years. Then you get into like the sweet spot and like the stability of those kind of toddlerish years and school age mm-hmm. years and then sort of now i'm on the other side where it's like now we're into like middle school and that's bringing on like a whole slew of other challenges like puberty and mm-hmm. at school and transition mm-hmm. like what is does stills life going to look like after school Um, and so we're kind of on that other side now yeah. um, but it was nice, like, those those few years where I felt like it was pretty, like, smooth. Yeah. So I hope you enjoy those. Um, but you are kind of working. So you are doing um, – tell us about yoga and tell oh, us yeah. what you've been yes. doing. You've got an event coming up that I want to I switch do. on. And, like, how did yeah. that – like, obviously, I know how that happened for you because you were, like, right. I'm dying inside. I need to go find <laughs> Yeah. So, like, relaxation. so is that, is that right? Yeah. Is that what you did,
4: you just walked into the studio? <laughs> yes. Kind of. Very, very similar. Um, so I had done yoga for a long time. Um, and I, during COVID actually, uh, you know, a lot of, there wasn't a lot going on and My best friend actually owns a yoga studio in the town we were living in. So I was like, you know what? I had been tossing around the idea for a very long time. I thought it's COVID, everything. I do have a child, so I like can't, you know, dream world, hop a plane to like Costa Rica and do like a month long, you know, yoga teacher training. That was not the luxury I was afforded (laughs) at that point in my life um but they were you know during covid they started offering like online teacher trainings so i with the help of my friend who owned the studio like i i did it online but also like with her in her studio And so I got trained in yoga and I actually, I had finished right when I found out I was pregnant with Jack. So I was teaching and doing yoga throughout my whole pregnancy. Um, And then I had to take some time off, but we live in a small town and it's very, very community based Um, and word travels fast, you know? So of course, like talk of the town, Alex had a baby, the baby's in NICU. Oh my gosh. The baby has to have open heart surgery. Oh my gosh. He has Williams syndrome how can we help you know and everyone's rallying around and like um and I wanted to give back too because as somebody that has experience in like nonprofits you know all the universities I ever worked for were nonprofits so I very much can attest to a grassroots effort you know and knowing that you only get what you can pay for no one's paying anything for you so I understand wholeheartedly every little bit counts. So even if you can only raise five hundred dollars, that's five hundred dollars that you know, that they didn't have before, that somebody didn't have before. Not every fundraiser can be a twenty-five million dollar campaign, you know. So I I wanted to find a way to give back in a way that everybody had been like giving to us. And at this point, I was very aware of how rare Williams syndrome was and how like the WSA was doing like if they do everything they can they go above and beyond but they can only do as much as you know they can do so yeah yeah. so I thought you know what I this community like the the engagement is strong right now but like our story so I decided to see if I could do a donation class and it just kind of really took off because anybody anytime somebody hears like a (laughs) Yoga. It's in- <laughs> so like um even if they couldn't sign up like if the space was full people still wanted to donate and people were talking people wanted to talk about williams syndrome people were like oh i can't make it to the class but what is that so it's a way to spread awareness it's a way to raise funds Um, and it was just a really really successful event and it also helped me get really involved with the with the anybody at WSA that's kind of how I met you know a lot of the people um we decided to have a go for a second go round, and actually the class is full already so um you know we're feeling really good about it and it's just a way like in such a small town you know it's just a nice way to really bring awareness to um you know other disabilities especially because you know we are looking down the pipeline and Jax is going to go to school there and as far as I have, you know, I've asked around and uh, he's the only person that any, even some of the older teachers have said, he actually might be like the first one with Williamson, you know, like they, they were like, they were so, so I, for me, it was a little selfish on the sense that like, I want to get the buzz going, you know what I mean? Because He may be the first, but he might not be the last. And I want, you know, everything that we do as parents is for the benefit of our children. And so while it is great because we're benefiting the WSA and I'm trying to raise funds because in the long run, any money that we can give to them will benefit all of us. You know, it's a two-way relationship. Um, I also just feel that, you know, anytime you can bring Williams Syndrome into a conversation in the right room is is going to do nothing but benefit jacks benefit stella benefit you and i benefit brendan you know and i just anytime you can talk about it or raise money for it even if it's five dollars five hundred dollars five thousand dollars it's money they didn't have before for research that we didn't have yet so that's kind of like a little soapbox about my fundraiser um you know and i i it's not huge I would like in the future to be able to get it so I could do it virtually so that we could have people you know wherever join so that's the goal for next year is to get it so it can be virtual too um and I'm open to you know I'm open to doing more uh it's just you know it's this is only my second year but it's already a success on year two so hoping that we can get things going I love it
1: yeah I love it um I am I'm not a yogi because I have zero <laughs> flexibility, but it's good for me. Um, are you going to convention this year?
4: Yes, yes, we are all going. So Thank all going.
1: You. It's gonna be so exciting. It is so much um yeah. so much fun, and you're gonna learn a lot. It's gonna be exhausting. Actually, for you, yeah. it's gonna be exhausting. And then, like year yeah. two it will be like fun, and then it'll get more fun after that. But the first yeah. year is a lot going on. Um, yeah. So maybe it's not the right time to ask you if you would, like go to <laughs> yoga class i there. would yeah, <laughs> um, gonna, i, I own, my my kids my daughters are in dance and they do yeah. like when they go to conventions um they will have like a parent dance class where like the the dance instructors will like teach us what they're teaching our kids but like a mom version right so it's not as like it's not as, as hard but i would love that i love the idea of like doing something um for parents and for i guess people with Williams syndrome because you know a lot comes on a caregiver's plate and we very frequently take care of ourselves and like i've learned through this experience you probably have as well that like you have to care you have to put on like your life vests first and like give yourself oxygen mask before you can help anybody else yeah. Um, right. So I love the idea of like sprinkling in some like self-care at convention yeah. uh, or, or wherever people can. But I think you made a great point about fundraisers, right? Like that, that people always think like, well, I don't have the network or the resources right. to make a golf tournament or, you know, uh, a walk or something yeah. like that. But it can be a fundraiser at your local restaurant. It can be a yeah. yoga um, or some sort of like, you know, um, CrossFit, like where you come and you the class is free and you just donate the proceeds to Williams Syndrome Association. Um, and all of those things are really designed to create a sense of community. And that's what you're doing for Jax. Like for Stella, I want people to know who Stella is in our community. I want them to feel comfortable interacting with her. I want when it's time for her to go out and get a, a job, right? I want her to have a lot of different opportunities because she's connected. Right. Um, and, and not just get placed where, um, her transitions, people have connections. Right. I, I want the connections to be first and foremost. And so I think that, um, the way that you're doing the fundraising effort, like it definitely gives people an opportunity to think a little bit differently about, you know, how you can contribute. Cause like you said, every dollar matters, but then also think about it in the way of building community. Um, like long-term, you know, dividend or ROI for your child that, um, you know, like they can feel comfortable in a lot of spaces. Like Stella feels comfortable at school. Stella feels comfortable going to her dance studio. Stella feels comfortable doing neighborhood events, like in our community, she feels comfortable going to the pool. And, you know, as I think about her, she'll be 14 this next year, like giving her some independence, like, I, I have to feel comfortable knowing that it's, like, in a safe space where people
4: know her yeah.
1: and know, like, you know, some of the things that they can see that um, are just realities that come along with Williams Syndrome. So I love it. When is your event?
4: I'm sorry, what? When's your event? Oh, my event is on February 4th. Um, right? and it, yeah, so we do an hour and 15 minutes, Um, and yeah, and it's funny because, like, I don't even ask for silent auction items, but, like again, talking about building a community, building the buzz. you know, people will just like drop off a basket and I'll be like, what's this for? And they're all like, oh, see if you can raffle that off or, you know, even if you can get an extra 50 bucks. So, so, you know, people do want to be a part of something. You just have to give them the something to be a part of. So that's why I've, I've just learned, you know, and people, people do want to help, especially when kids are involved. So February 4th in Louisville. We're very excited for it. And, um, you know, and like I said, next year, this is my announcement that I will try to make it virtual so we can do something really fun. And I will also do something at convention if they'll have me. So
1: yeah, that's wonderful. I heard you also um, have done some work with our adventure seekers group and like breathing strategies like Mm
4: -hmm. that's I think you have a lot of applicability there because we we have a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress in our group. Yeah, Yeah. yeah we did. And you know what, the whole group was incredible. They made it so easy for me, um everybody that was involved in it. But yeah, we just, and you know, I'm happy to do that anytime for anybody. Honestly, it's everything that people already have in their toolbox. It's just a gentle reminder. You know what I mean? It's just like a It's learning about breathing techniques that you already know to do. But like all things, you know, you have that instinct when you start feeling anxious to just shut down. And it's really just reminding yourself to like just stop, recognize where you are, you know, take some breaths, touch your fingertips, you know, gaze out the window and just, you know, find ways to naturally calm yourself down if you can. But it was a good group. They made me look good if I'm being honest so they're so
1: fun they they're so fun you get <laughs> off you you do a like adventure seeker call and then you leave and you're like my bucket is so full like I came to this <laughs> group right and they ended up like in a- on way- Um, and I can't say I can't say enough good things about them
4: well isn't that I- this whole community though like anytime I leave somewhere I'm like okay wait why am I on cloud nine right now like that was incredible so i know i know i'm excited to, i'm
1: excited to meet you at convention it'll be a hot mess and you'll be overwhelmed okay. but yep. i stay out until 10 okay. p.m so if you want <laughs> a beer or mm-hmm. something like yep. you, you find me and we will until 10 absolutely
4: absolutely 10 o'clock you are a night out okay. Okay
2: been listening to the starry-eyed effect presented by the williams syndrome association the show is hosted by jennifer keaton and brendan lemieux and produced by me joel listman theme song by tommy barbarella and mariella elm got a question for the show email us at podcast at williams video version of the podcast available on the williams syndrome channel on youtube review us on apple podcasts and maybe it will get featured on a future episode Make sure to like and subscribe to The Starry Eye Effect wherever you get your podcast delights.